Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. In today's episode, I speak to returning guest photographer Jeff Valley. Um, I figured I'd give Jeff a call. He's currently out in Korea um, working on a job out there. And um, prior to the shoot, they had to do a 14-day quarantine. So he's just been kind of um, holed up in his hotel for the next 14 days. So I figured I'd give him a shout and uh, see how he's doing and see what he's kind of been working on and everything that's kind of going on in his world. Um, so kind of in this interview, we just kind of talk about what he's been working on and different photography projects, as well as a new uh, mentorship program he's been working on with his agent, uh, Positive V Reps. Um, they started a new mentorship program for um, emerging black, indigenous, and people of color. Um, so anybody interested in pr pursuing a career in commercial photography, um, they got a whole new mentorship program set up. Um, you can go to apostrereps.com or reach out to Jeff Valley. I'll put all the links in the descriptions, and if you got any questions, feel free to reach out to him. Um, Jeff's someone I kind of just met through doing the podcast, and we've stayed in contact, and he's this uh, really hardworking photographer and always has a good outlook on things and is real positive. Um, so I was really excited to kind of talk to him again and see what, what's been going on in his world. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right, and now welcome back, Jeff Valley, uh, former guest on the Photo Banter. Um, interested to talk to you, Jeff. Uh, Jeff is currently in, or you can tell us, where are you at right now, Jeff? Um, right now, I'm in Seoul, in Korea. And you've been, I think, so you're out there for a job, and before you guys shoot, you have to do a 14-day quarantine. So I think, what are you on, day 10 or 11, just stuck in your hotel room? I'm on day nine. For the yeah. first, like, handful of days, I was very aware of what day it was, and then it started to kind of, like, blend together a little bit. And uh, so now... I'm past the halfway point. So yeah, anybody who enters the, um, from what I understand, anybody who enters Korea, either if you're like a resident, you can quarantine at home. But if you're not, then you go to um, one of these government hotels and they do this like long process. They're like extremely thorough. So it's actually like really a good peace of mind coming here, knowing that you're going to be safe and that if uh, for some reason you picked up something while you traveled, that you're not going to infect anyone else. Yeah, I think you're like the first person I've known that has traveled out of the country so far for a job. Like, I don't know too many people that have been really traveling, traveling, doing productions, I guess, yet, you know? But, uh, yeah, I mean, I see people traveling. I see people traveling in the US. Yeah. And, and, you know, like most, I mean, I guess maybe like most people, you kind of like waffle back and forth between what you think is safe and what you know, what you read about and, you know, you kind of try to parse all the information and, and make a decision for yourself. Yep. Um, from what I understand, traveling on a plane um, does not seem to be a very high risk thing if you're really careful. Yep. The filters that they have on planes are really effective. And then so you're more likely to have like risky situations in the airport than on the plane. So yeah, I just went to the, took it really seriously and you know, wore a mask from like when I left my house in an Uber until when I got into my room um, yeah. a long time later. Yeah. yeah. And for putting this production together, are, are, is there anything you kind of had to switch up just in terms of like producing this job in terms of like crew or things like that? How are you kind of, are you just hiring kind of local assistants or is this more of kind of a, just a solo thing or how are you guys approaching the shooting this production, I guess? So not to sound too like elusive or, or like a cool guy, um, but so it's it's an NDA job. So Got it. we um, can't really say a whole lot about it. But as far as 
um, our end. Yeah. Um, it's probably the first job that I've ever, I've ever worked on where I was only allowed to take one assistant and the rest will be locals. Yeah. Um, so in this type of a scenario, you got to kind of decide whether you like what makes you feel the most comfortable and what makes you feel that, you know, would you rather bring like your favorite digital tech or would you rather bring your favorite person to help you light? Yeah. Um, and depending on the job, right. And like the kind of like stress endured or like, if is the job like really like, um, like lighting heavy or is it really, you know, like just, you need someone to like help you be your right hand person and, you know, uh, be your your grunt or maybe just your like emotional support <laughs> yeah <laughs> so for this particular one i brought um a gaffer with me because i really want to lean hard on to um you know putting some pre pretty particular light in place that's cool man i guess otherwise how you been doing man like obviously a crazy year um have you been shooting much up, up to this point or is this kind of your first big production since everything kind of went haywire We've worked on a few larger things. It basically was like total like dial tone until August. Yeah. Um, I think we had like, so like end of March, like right before the shutdown, we like submitted this like really in-depth treatment to work on like a really awesome job to launch a very well-known, yep. you know, product for a, for a company. And then it just was crickets. And I was just like, oh, well, we'll <laughs> we'll definitely be working in like May. <laughs> and then I'm like, if we're not working in May, then like June, we're going to be like really going for it. Yeah. And then reality just sets in when we all just kind of like, and then it, and then in that particular, it's so funny to try to think back, like what March and April were like, cause it seems like a lifetime ago. ago, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's a interesting but time. I was like, Back then, I think I was like fantasizing about like, cool, I'm just going to get in a motorhome with my wife and my kid and I'm going to go like roam the earth like cane and kung fu and um, then realizing that that doesn't make any sense either. No, and that's not really like a responsible thing to do. And everywhere you travel is not going to be open anyway. Yeah. But um, I think once we got kind of like all of those like fannies out of the way that it was just going to be locked down and kind of boring and a little bit repetitive then we just kind of waited it out and then moved to california in, in the beginning of july so that was a really big um change for me and then that took up a lot of our time to just like settle in and find a place to live and things like that mm. yeah I was sure. gonna... are you am i uh internet... yeah it's just like freezing a little bit but it's all right i switched to a faster internet Okay, no worries. Yeah, it, it's 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 expected. We're across the world, so I, a little uh, freezing. It will happen, but yeah, man. I was gonna ask you that. I noticed you moved across the country. Um, what kind of made, made you want to make the jump? I know you're in New York for a while, and like, how's it kind of been? Like, cause that's one thing I always worry about. Like, as a photographer, I think about moving sometimes, but then it's like, then is it, does it feel like you're starting from scratch? Like, finding new clients, like in your area, or what's kind of made you want to make the jump i wanted to make the jump because i was kind of done with new york yeah um not from a photography standpoint just like my nerves yeah um it's like i love new york i mean it's one of the most exciting and kind of vibrant and inspiring places you can you can live on earth yeah but at a certain point um 
I just would, I would travel to California and I would surf and I would do things like that. And then I would come back to New York and I would just like be kind of agitated and a little bit grumpy for a couple of days. Yeah. And, um, and then when I had a kid, I was just like, all right, I'm fucking done. Um, immediately you become like an older version of yourself, like almost comically kind of like (laughs) ironically lame where you're just like, God, everything's so loud. And people are like waking up your baby and like people are like laying on their horn, like right when you're walking by with a stroller and you're just like, God, I feel like I'm just surrounded by chaos. Yeah. I feel. Um, But the reason why we stayed. Yeah. Say No, keep saying. The reason why we stayed is my, my wife had to uh, finish up um, a PhD. And so as soon as that was finished, then we we hightailed it out of there. Yeah, man. New York's an amazing place. I like going there, but I've, I've never like I, even when I go to visit there, like I have a hard time taking pictures there just because it's just like so much chaos. And like, I feel like uh, there's obviously so many amazing photographers there. And there's like the history of like street photography and just everything. But I, I feel lost in those environments. That's why that's why I live out in the burbs, man. I feel like I can breathe. I can kind of think I can kind of get from point A to point B a little easier. It's just kind of a different way of thinking. But uh, yeah, it's interesting in New York. The one thing that I love about New York is the people just don't give a shit whether you're shooting or not. <laughs> and like you go to LA. Okay. So you know how, like, I mean, again, I've all stated a million times, I'm not an actual skateboarder, but I, I kind of grew up around that many people that did. So I kind of, well, just like the kind of childhood we had, it was like, you just kind of got away with whatever you could get away with. Right. Like you're always trying to like, mm-hmm. just not get caught. Yeah, maybe that's a lot of people's childhood. So that kind of ends up translating into photography, and you're just like, wait, to shoot, we have to like get a, get permit. a permit or ask permission and blah blah. And you're just like, fuck that. Let's just let's just go shoot and see what happens. <laughs> so like all all the testing you do is all like you know no permits, small teams, blah blah blah, no asking for permission, like ask for forgiveness later. And then you go and do something in LA, and they're like, oh, we got to do this permit and you can't shoot over here and everything has to be like safe. And yeah. you're like, um, you're shooting like a skateboarder and like a commercial project. Then you're like, Oh, that's actually a dangerous activity. And we don't know whether we can do that on the shoot. And you're just like, are you fucking kidding me, man? Like <laughs> we're ruining all the spontaneity. Yeah. So then you end up being that New Yorker that's in California going, well, in New York, we don't have to ask for any of this. We can just do whatever we want. So yeah. that is a part about New York that I really love is that as like as long as you don't have a tripod on the ground, nobody gives a shit what you're doing. Yeah, and walking w- in the middle of the street, shooting people in the middle of Tenth Avenue, yep. you know, shooting out of the. I mean, I worked on a video project where we we just opened the back of a minivan and shot out of the back of the minivan with me holding a light source and my DP holding the camera. Yeah, and uh, I mean, maybe we just got lucky, but I just don't think people care as much because they have like bigger fish to fry. No, definitely. And one thing, like with the type of work you do, because you're shooting like large scale advertising and lifestyle stuff, and obviously, you know, looking at the some of the stuff you do, it, it looks like it's just like you guys are out there just doing whatever, but all those shots are like pre-planned a lot of times on these campaigns, like do you ever feel like confined by like the, the shot list or whatever? Because like at the end of the day, you can plan as much as you want, but when you show up on that shoot day, stuff can kind of switch up, like how do you kind of make sure you get the the best out of those like uh, i guess advertising campaign shoots 
We've done a couple in the past um, to like go off of your first question, like how have things been? Yeah. So like we got, it was kind of cool. Like I shot something kind of like small that kind of folded me back into like my first day on set, kind of figure out how like you act and how other people act on set when you've been COVID tested and you have masks and all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, but then we, we moved into like two of the larger projects I've ever worked on where one of the main hurdles was to try to really figure out how, how to accomplish the shot list in the amount of days that we're shooting yeah so it required like some really pretty intense like matrix matrix and, and tetris types things and like shooting you know where talents are going to be and we really approached it from like a film standpoint of creating um you know we had one of my favorite things to do is to work on a on a set with an, an assistant director yeah so that they can really be in charge of the shot list and I can just kind of follow their lead. I mean, we go over the shot list prior to the shoot and we try to make it work. But to answer your question is like, a lot of things require us to just kind of really zone in on the shot and kind of brainstorm about how I'm going to get something that I feel like is like free enough yeah. within, within the confines of that particular shot. It's like, okay, we are shooting in living room. We're shooting, you know, this personality with this product in this spot. And then once we're kind of in that spot, I go in and we kind of just like dirty it up a little bit and like loosen it up and then, you know, go and get that vibe that we're looking for. But it, it all happens within like a pretty detailed shot list to make sure that that happens. I learned that a, a couple of years ago that where I used to just show up to shoots and I'm like, cool, this is the shot list. And I'm just going to work as fast as possible. And you tell me where I'm at. And at lunch, we'll gauge where we're at in the shot list. Yeah. And we'll always say, oh, we're a little bit behind. And then we always try to catch up on the back end of the day. And then I started working with producers that like, were like from 1215 to 1245, we're shooting shot six with yep. this talent. And I'm like, yes, that's how we should do it. <laughs> oh, you like it that way. It's just more structured. Yeah. Well, I like it because it covers our ass and makes sure that we aren't getting in some sort of dreamy state where we're off like romanticizing about this picture we're taking and we're not leaving enough time for, you know, shots, you know, nine, seven and you yeah. know, 10 that are slotted into the second part of the day. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I was supposed to have a special guest host with with me, uh, Jesse Burke, but unfortunately, I knew you were going to, I knew you were going to try to get him. <laughs> He's texting me right now. It keeps flying off. Uh, uh, we had crazy storms here today and he lost power, so he can't log in. But he, he gave me a question to ask you. He, he wanted to know, uh, since the birth of your son, um, has it changed the way you approach photography? Um, have you been photographing him a lot? And I guess also, um, do you think you would ever like incorporate photos of your son uh, the way like a lot of photographers do with their family and things like that? Yeah, they, okay, so like uh, concrete stuff. So I, over the years, I've always tried to figure out if I, if there's a camera that's for me, that's like a, my version of a point and shoot. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, so I have like a, you know, a 5D or like I, I use like a, a 1DX Mark II for my commercial work. Yeah. And um, years ago, I bought like this small little Canon and I was like, cool. Like someone told me this camera's great. And I was like, ah, oh, it's like, it's so small. It doesn't like feel like, like what I used to make pictures. Yeah. And I think I tried a couple of them and I would like rent cameras um, for vacation that ended up being kind of like a, a process of mine where I'd go to lensrental.com and I would like rent a camera and take it on vacation and see if I liked it. Yeah. And then um, I found this one that I love and it's, it sounds kind of like rudimentary, but I, I need to, I need to hold a camera up to my eye. 
because that's just like how I like find pictures. Yeah. And um, so I got this little camera with a super flat, small lens that I could like have underneath my winter coat in New York. And it had a little like pot, like it had a little add on viewfinder and um, the image quality was like good enough. It's never going to be as good as like the bigger cameras. And I was like, cool. And I got that camera so that I would take a camera around with me and photograph my son because I've never been a person who really photographs my own life. Me neither. Um, in fact, I think that's like a real delineation between different types of photographers. Like some people photograph everything around them. And then I'm more the person was like, oh, well, I like my camera stays in my case until like I like set up a project or involve myself in a project. Yep. And um, and so that was the first time I'd ever really kind of like shot my own life. And I started to do like it wasn't even a project, but I would take my son on so many walks, like, you know, two or three times a day. I started photographing Williamsburg in Brooklyn because I knew that I was on my way out and I wanted to photograph the neighborhood where we lived and where my son was born. You think that is that like a habit you want to keep going, just kind of photographing your day to day? Like, have you even been like, obviously you're stuck in a hotel room, but who knows? Maybe there's some pictures to be had in that hotel room when you're wasting your time. Uh, you think, is there like a benefit you think just to kind of this shooting day to day stuff, even if it's just random, whatever? I think there's a benefit to like teaching yours. I mean, it depends on what type of photography you are. Like I have friends who shoot the living shit out of their, their life. I can't, I can't imagine it. They must have, like a professional grade camera on them 24 seven. Yeah. Um, I do. I don't think I'll ever be the person who shoots my life so much that I miss out on my life. Cause my <laughs> face is on a camera, <laughs> but um, yeah, sorry. The question was, does it, yeah. uh, change yeah. Yeah, do you think you'll just keep kind of keeping that habit going, just kind of shooting more day-to-day stuff? Because, like, even myself, I've been – because I'm the same way, man. Like, everything's, like, project-based, and it's stuff I'm, like, thinking out and, like, setting up. Um, But even it's over this Thanksgiving, I made a point just to kind of photograph my family, like, like cutting the turkey and hanging out and helping out with dishes and stuff because it's, like – yeah, I mean, not that I'm trying to use that for my portfolio or anything. I'm not going to put it up anywhere, but I think – I want to have, because I know in like 10, 15, 20 years, I want to be able to look at those pictures, you know? Isn't it crazy that, so there's a similarity between you and I in that, right? Like we shoot projects, like I look at your work and it's like, okay, I know Alex went to Cuba. Yep. This is about this. I know this is like a project, a portrait he shot of like an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever you get your camera out to photograph your own life, you never go, oh, that was a waste of time. you always even if it's just like one picture you're like oh that's kind of a sick picture that's cool yeah and like it just like i really love color grading imagery so it's just like i get excited i go this is gonna sound so stupid but like on the back of my iMac pro yeah i never even considered it but there's a card slot on the back of the on the back of the computer yep and the camera that i bought the little one fits those little sd cards yeah and so like i pull the ca- the card out of the camera and Ding. i plug it right into the back of the computer all these years i'm always like oh you gotta get the card reader and the blah 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 and i'm like fuck i love this process it's so simple <laughs> like the camera, the camera sits right on a shelf above the computer i pull out the card i plug it in and then i would go through and make my selects and then i would add color to them yeah and that's like part of my fun is like picking selects and being reminded that even if you get a camera out to shoot something as benign as cutting the turkey, you're like, 
Yeah. Oh, I actually really like that picture. And since I shoot lifestyle for a living, I should actually be doing that a lot more to like, I would love to have more opportunities to kind of um, fit really normal looking imagery into advertising. Definitely. So so it's not, I mean, that's the main goal of almost all my shoots is to get imagery that looks very relatable and doesn't look um, commercial. Yeah. And so if you practice while shooting your family at Thanksgiving or whatever, you kind of like make mental notes on how you can make those pictures on a commercial shoot. So I have slowed down in shooting with that camera Mm -hmm. um, just because I have like a super short attention span. And so like, I'm always just like, okay, cool. Like what else is going on? (laughs) And then my new life in California didn't have the same, like California is amazing, but you don't walk around your neighborhood and go, oh, these buildings are so amazing. Like there's, there's, there's not very much of that at all. Where Williamsburg, I'm just like, oh, I love this gritty ass, like kind of, fucked up building and like i know that there's probably like a really cool apartment in there and things like that and in california you're just like ah it's just i mean there's cool craftsman homes that i that i may eventually like shoot pictures of but um there's like i have to refigure it out and i have to like find what my next little thing is that i'm going to take pictures of and like during during this whole like pandemic and everything um like because i know myself i kind of been struggling like just because i usually have a lot of personal projects going on but since i mostly photograph portraits i really haven't been i've been doing my assignment work and client work that comes in but other than that i haven't been like actively like setting up portrait shoots on my own i guess like um how have you kind of been approaching this this pandemic have you still been shooting personal work or did you kind of have any like creative ruts or anything like that so right before the pandemic started, I was like, okay, I'm like, um, my son is going to go to daycare part-time because what I didn't kind of tell everyone is like, I was the full-time caregiver for my son two months after he was born because my wife started her internship, which was at the end of her PhD. Mm -hmm. So that was a really challenging time for me. And like, I wish more people actually talked about this, but like taking care of your first kid is one of the hardest jobs you'll ever do it like just turns a mirror back on you and shows you like all of your weaknesses yeah and it's really hard and frustrating there's a big really big learning curve so anyway somewhere in between there i was like cool i'm ready to start shooting some personal work again Mm -hmm. and i was i got really excited about something that was like super simple and i was like i'm gonna I'm going to buy these lights and I'm going to do these like low light end of day portraits on my roof in Brooklyn. So I could have some like open kind of like air behind them Yeah, and just like get really simplistic and just shoot really beautifully like contoured low light portraits. And um, like I'd spend like a decent amount of money on like a couple of kind of like really flexible, these RGB lights. And, um, and then it was like locked down and I was like, okay, cool. Well, I, I bet people would still be into it. Like I, I'm going to be six feet away from them. And then it just, again, slowly sets in. You're like, oh, this is, this is like shelved. I can't do any of this. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't have anything to work on, but what I decided to do was take two video projects, um, actually kind of three video products that I had not finished yet. Yeah. And um, one of them was actually never kind of intended to finish. It was almost like, um, it was this thing that I did with these kids who ride bicycles um, from Harlem. 
Um, I'm not sure if you saw, but it's these kids like to just do wheelies all over the city. It's actually like a bike culture that exists like in all over the world. But um, I found these kids and I got together with my friend Santiago, who's a DP. And I'm like, let's go, let's go mess around and test a new camera. And so we did that with not really the intention to cut it up and make a fully formed video piece. But yeah. when I was there and I did it, I sat down with these guys and did some interviews. And then when it came to um, the lockdown, I was like, well, why don't I just like see what I can make of this thing? Yep. And so I did that and involved um, a sound designer because we didn't record any sound whatsoever on the, on the day of the shoot. And Oops. so I think that's one of the cool aspects of that video is like a hundred and ten percent of the sound is made from like a library of image or library of sounds from a sound designer that I work with. Damn, and that's he, sick. And then he went out and like recorded like he's like, cool, I have everything except like bike like chain pedaling sounds. So he went out and like recorded that like wherever he lives. And then we composed some like original music for it. And then I took the VO and we put it over it and like one of those things that kind of snuck up on you where i never had any attention to do the this piece of video but i had all the time all the time in the world and i felt like the reaction to it was really great because it was a, again like another stamp of approval on something that was like i mean you talk about real there's mm -hmm. nothing more real than like these kids just flying through new york city streets and like santiago's hanging off the back of a motorcycle filming them and like he set up this camera almost to be kind of like the same formation as a super eight. So you just kind of hold it like a trigger. Yeah. And I brought um, a skateboard with some soft wheels and I would just, it was like flying through times square, like dodging all these cars with them. And I was filming too. And I was glad to see that people reacted to it and kind of like felt, felt the energy. Yeah. And then um, I finished up a couple other video projects, or actually finished up one other one. And then I'm now kind of finally getting into that third one. So the lockdown kind of gave me an opportunity to like sit down and really go, we're finishing these two things. And here's my like personal deadline. So it ended up being a really productive time up until like maybe like um, maybe like May or something. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, because I was looking at one project you did. I don't know when you shot it, but it's on your website, and I'll link it so people can go check it out. But it was called West Texas, and I, it, it was a really cool, like this kind of montage, this kind of imagery in West Texas. And it was, I was surprised. I saw the credits. Of Heath Kirchart shot the eight, eight, oh, the eight millimeter footage of it. Um, but what was that project all about? That was like the culmination of. You know how in our industry, everyone's been going like, well, video is going to give you really important. You need to have video work. Yeah. So that, that conversation was like years in the past now. So like what yeah. ended up happening was my agent was like, you know, people are asking for video work. And I was up for this pretty big job, but it was big to me at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I knew there was a video component. And eventually the art buyer from the agency told my agent, they're like, really Jeff doesn't have enough video work. And so, you know, I'm just want to give you a heads up. You're most likely they're going to award the, the job to someone else. Yeah. And yeah. so in, to me, I was like, that's never happening again. Fuck that. And so I went back to New York and I put together a piece of video and I just kind of, I concepted something super simple, this girl listening to music on like high end headphones, like going through the city and it was like a really good exercise in like how I could like concept a small piece of video, execute it, edit it, color grade it, blah, blah, blah. And so then that kind of continued on. And I was like, what I've always wanted to make is like a really beautiful, gritty project, like in the 
like the open west and so like i'm a really like big fan of like west texas and mm -hmm. like you know southern new mexico and arizona and places like that and so eventually i just said screw it i'm gonna i'm gonna go for this and so i asked a few people i think what it was is i was like i asked santiago i called him and i was like hey i want to do this project what should i shoot it on and he's like you're like the third director to call me about not hiring me, but telling me for me to give you advice on what camera to use. Yep. And I was like, well, if you want to come and do this thing, I mean, I, that's cool, but it's like, it's a bit of a stretch. And he's like, I'm down. Yeah. And that kind of cascaded into this thing where I realized that, that people are available and interested in working on projects that are personal projects. If they feel like it's a chance to do something kind of original. And so long story short is, is like, I put my money where my mouth is and I, I went to Los Angeles. I cast it. I partnered up with a wardrobe stylist in LA and she chose all this wardrobe and FedExed it to El Paso. I flew the cast to El Paso. Damn. And, um, and like a few things I've done in the past, I'll call up Heath and I'll be like, Hey, are you do doing anything? <laughs> do you want to just like help me try to pull this thing off? And he's always such a good sport about it. So him and I drove out from LA and he just kind of like helped me do all the loose ends and he really likes shooting super eight. And so he brought his super eight camera and film and we kind of folded that in with the Alexa footage that Santiago shot. And then we brought it back to New York and we did it on like no team, like Santiago pulled us on focus. Um, we had my friend Jason O'Neill who shot some stills and then um, basically acted as Santiago's AC mm. and, um, and that's it. So we did it on with like no team and it's one of my favorite projects to date. But when we brought it back to New York, we handed it off and partnered with like really, really talented people to like take the production level as high as we could go. Yeah, this kind of shows you like, because I remember, yeah, like you said, everyone in the photo industry was like, yeah, I got to start doing video. And there's like all these people shooting with like DSLRs, which is great. You can make good stuff with it, but it wasn't really like motion. It was basically like still photos that the camera was just running. But it, like, yeah, you feel like if you want to have that like top tier quality to the stuff you're doing, you can't really do it by yourself. Even though it was a small team, you you still needed that team to make a production look a certain way, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, I've kind of proven to myself that I can make stuff that I love with with really expensive tools mm -hmm. and also with less expensive tools but there's definitely like an aesthetic that i realized that i like about working with santiago and we're and shooting on an alexa yeah like i looked at the file and i was like yes that looks amazing i understand why people you know shoot on these things and you know i'm still kind of getting to know the things that make up the kind of like look and feel that i like um but yeah, I, d I definitely wasn't interested in kind of like making it happen with like a, like a 5D or something like that. I wanted to kind of like um, trust the expertise of the people that I knew that knew what kind of things I liked and the way they looked and that they knew that I would get that look by using, you know, certain, certain materials and, you know, using certain types of light and things like that. I mean, most of the, what we're doing is shooting with available light, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I mean, every time we've worked on a video project, I feel like we take 10 steps forward because there's such a massive amount to learn about how you're going to execute the things you like about your still photography and then make that happen in a, you know, a video format. 
and also just kind of figure out how your approach to directing right because yeah. it's a lot more components to that especially when you're when there's like moving parts and there's if they're if you're doing sound and you're directing talent um it's a lot more moving parts than just shooting like a really nice portrait yeah i feel like a lot of i, I would say if i had to take a wild guess i'd say it's pretty typical for still photographers to be like yeah i can direct and then you go and you work on something and you realize you don't know shit. Yeah. And like, if you want to be, I mean, I, I am always so curious about the people that are able to kind of like carry that type of, of confidence into a, a craft that they, they don't know anything about, Yep. which is kind of, a, I mean, it's admirable, but at the same time, I think you need to be a little bit more humble if you're going to want to walk into an art form that people spend years and years and years and years crafting. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, it's, it's a lot, it's easier for photographers to go in and kind of make like montage type of formats, mm -hmm. which I actually really enjoy even from like really, really skilled directors and DPs that, that that's a format that's used and done, and done well. Yeah. But I think that it, um, it takes a lot more pre-production work and crafting on the front end to make something that resembles work that you really admire. You just didn't realize it at first, how much work it took to get there. Yeah, definitely. Like the last year and a half, two years, I started just kind of working a little bit on the side, just as like a, like a grip uh, for my buddy who has a company down in Rhode Island. And we've been doing some cool stuff. Like we just shot a whole TV show for HGTV um, and done like some stuff for Hasbro. But like you said, because most of my experience was, yeah, just being a still photographer myself, um, coming up as an assistant but then once you get into like the real like crew of like dudes that are only kind of do like motion work it's like a whole different uh like shorthand it's this a, a, a lot more organized too i found it's like this is your role this is your role don't step on my fucking side which i kind of actually liked it was just like it kind of it was it was almost more professional in a sense you know what i mean it's done for efficiency yeah. because the amount of work that needs to be accomplished on a video set dwarfs what is accomplished on a still set. Yep. So in order to do that, you have to divide and conquer. Yeah. And, and then you bring in these specialists. Now I will admit like, so I, I, I hire gaffers and grips on a lot of my still photography jobs, Smart. like almost all the time now. Smart. And um, every once in a while I'll work with someone who doesn't work a lot on still shoots and you'd be like, oh yeah, I forgot. Like you're a you're a gaffer or a grip, and you guys don't add Apple boxes to your order because art department brings those when you guys work in film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh well. And then if you ask, like, oh, Queen an Apple box, you get this long answer about how it's not their department, and you're just like, come on, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> so still photography has like a real kind of like team player mentality, which I love. Yeah. And like we're all here let's just do what needs to get done to to get the result we need True. which i can i can respect that flexibility definitely so i have found some people that will kind of like that will stand on both sides of that and then when we work on something that's like full blown video project like i did a project that i finished up um last year called praise the caterpillar and that's just like only video like top tier gaffer like Santiago brought in like his A team and um and there's like a completely different workflow and I absolutely love that like I'm addicted to it like a drug to be in that position and to to direct 
on that type of level with that type of team. Um, so I'm looking forward to, you know, doing more of it. No, it's dope, man. Um, and I guess like what's kind of got you excited about photography right now? Like, obviously you've been doing this for a while. Is there anything like in particular that kind of interests you or kind of anything like you're, you're hoping to work on or anything or what's kind of, what's kind of got the spark for Jeff right now? What's got the spark for me is that like, so I got to work on something recently where we did like a full rebranding of a company and I think it's going to be out soon. In fact, um, it's for a dollar shave club. I can, and I can say that I think because they, they have one of my images on like their, uh, okay. their landing, their landing page, Yep. but they were totally behind the idea of like making moody and like, just kind of like dirty imagery. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool, I can't wait to share some of this work so we can garner more of this work. Mm-hmm. So that excites me. Um, to, to shoot and kind of embrace like messiness. It's like, everybody's been asking us to, to make more kind of like real imagery for the past several years. Yeah. A lot of times what happens is like, well then through casting and wardrobe and propping, like all the dirt gets scrubbed off. Yeah, cause you, like, go, you go to the same modeling agency where it's the same models and they all look p- perfect. It's like all these people look like models because they are models. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's, there's a little bit of that. I mean, we, we go through like great lengths to, to cast and not get like the, the quintessential model look. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, wardrobe is huge. Yeah. You know, someone comes out of the trailer with like crispy jeans and brand new shoes. I think I always use this example, but you're just like, that's, <laughs> that's not what we're going for. Um, and so the hope is that I'm excited about like, slowly kind of folding more of this into jobs and showing clients like how we get there yeah because it's actually not not so linear for like you or i like we might have like a linear kind of like thought process and how we're going to get to that spot mm-hmm. but um it's all education and our clients need to educate us on like what they're looking for and then we educate them back on like how we're going to try to get there yeah but um it takes a while but slowly building like I've had a quote unquote team, like, Hey Jeff, do you have a team we can work with? Everybody like asks you that. He's like, the answer is always yes. But the real answer is that you're always like morphing that team to get you like closer and closer to that, like that ideal situation. Yep. And so like right now I'm really like obsessed with like propping and like set design. Okay. Because I feel like to get like kind of like, what I've realized is like people that work on movies, they're like the Zen masters of this stuff where like the room looks kind of dirty. Let's say it's a teenager, like a teenager's room is going to look kind of messed up. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, like a typical prop setist might like buy all these props that are like, Oh, we have a basketball and we have a thing. And then we have a picture on the wall and you're like, no, I want it to be kind of like fucked up a little bit, you know? So like getting closer and closer to that. And we worked with a prop stylist recently. That's, that's kind of nailing that front for me. And it's exciting to get like steps and steps closer to doing that on like a separate note. I, um, I have like a personal product that I already shot that I'm kind of waiting for this one that I'm finishing right now to finish. And then I'm going to step back into, into this next one. Yeah. And it's making something kind of like interesting and kind of original in uh, like a vertical form uh, phone format. Okay. And so I went on a skate tour with Toy Machine. Um, it's now been quite a while since we did it, 
but I only brought a phone and I filmed everything vertically so that I could make a vertical edit. And the whole idea is to kind of like have like a POV thing of like, the viewer is like maybe the person that's holding the phone. And so like, it's kind of unusual. We're gonna have to kind of find our voice, but I wanna, I'm excited to get creative with like different things like screen recordings and mixing video and photography and making these videos where we kind of like showcase how people use the phone and make it interesting. And the way we're gonna kind of make that really interesting is giving them an insight into like what it's like to sit in a 15 passenger van with like a bunch of professional skateboarders. That is interesting. And since it's vertical video, is that something you think will just live like you'll post it on like your Instagram, like IGTV? Because it is interesting. Like when even myself, I think about this, like when I post photos on my Instagram, which is basically like, I mean, a lot of photographers, it's basically like your portfolio nowadays. And I I really don't really post uh, like landscape style photos because they become too small to actually even see. So I almost just post like vertical pictures. Then that's basically the only way I approach it now. You know, it's just kind of interesting how you think about taking a picture to where it's going to live. Yeah. So hundred percent. It's like we were, uh, we were on a, um, a video uh, like portfolio showing with, um, with an ad agency one day, myself and my, uh, my agent. Yeah. And my agency started this program last spring and it's a mentorship program for um, it's not young as an age, but like younger in your career photographers, Yeah. basically yeah. non-white photographers um, and to give them a basically like a mentorship program where it's like they learn about like the business um, promotion um, accounting and then each one of them had um, experiences with um, photographers on the roster we talked them through some like editing and personal products and all kinds of stuff and I can't wait for it to like keep keep going we've actually finished the first version of that and we're going to do it again and then um, one of is that is that like is that like something like people apply for or they just reach out to your your agent or how does the process actually work if someone listening would like to like be a part of that? I yeah, no, that. I'm actually glad we should take a second to go over this because I think it's super important. Yeah, one of the things that you'll notice if you're really paying attention in photography is there's like it's really swayed in in certain directions, and not just the obvious ones like oh white men are are you know hold a lot of the positions of um, shooting photographers in the industry, but like you know, the difference of experiences of women um, and, you know, gay and lesbian people and like how how these scales are tipped, right? And one of the things that it's really easy to admit if you're a um, white photographer is just like, yeah, there's, there's not enough people of color for younger photographers to look up to and potentially even email them and say, hey, how did you get where you are? And did you encounter any type of like barriers that are specific to, you know, not being this kind of privileged um, white photographer who is able to kind of like make their way into the industry. So my agency started this program. Um, it's, it feels like it's, it's, it's the whole agency, but it's kind of spearheaded by um, Kelly Montez, who um, is the owner of Apostrophe and, and the kind of like head rep. And then Darnell Scott, who's our visual designer, who's this like, the perfect guy if you want to like tap into like what frequency people are using right now as far as like what's interesting culturally what's good artistically and he just kind of makes your work always look 10 times better from his kind of like visual standpoint yeah so anyway the two of them came up with this program we promoted it through all the uh, all the channels of all the photographers and it was an application process so all these photographers submitted portfolios and it was really about choosing photographers that weren't just like, hey, I'm interested in photography. It's like, 
No, they like have a portfolio. Um, the portfolio is in migration, but they're like, they're on that path. Um, and then accepting them and then coming up with like an extremely kind of like detailed and thought out schedule of like week one is about this and week two is about this. And we had these, they had to work on a project that would eventually be published in what we call the AMP um, magazine, um, Apostrophe Mentorship Program. Yep. And then us as photographers, we worked with two of the mentees throughout that process and gave them feedback and talked about, you know, questions they had, helped them edit their, their, um, their particular project. And then, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. I mean, I like, it's one of the most important things that we can do right now is make sure that we give, um, I've always been interested in giving the answers to younger photographers. Definitely. I think you and I even talked about this one time, but just like, I can't wait to share the secrets with younger people and be like, Hey, you want to skip a couple steps and save like a bajillion dollars on an art education? Let's talk about how yeah. you, know, you can get to where you want to be. Yeah, definitely. Because like, yeah, there's like a, there's like two ways to look at it. I look at it like offense or defensive. Either like people are defensive and they're like, I'm not telling you shit. I'm not telling you who I work for or none of that. Or you can just be offensive and like just help everybody. And uh, I think that's just a better way to go about it. Like there's enough jobs out there. You can find work. And I mean, if people are going to put the work in, they'll get it. Like they can go get it. I'm not worried about someone taking my job, you know, cause there's like, there's only so many hours in the day that I can go after this client or this client. There's, there's other avenues for people to go down, you know? Isn't it so uh, affirming when, like I listened to your episodes with um, Art Stryber. Yep. And you're just like, Oh my God, is this guy like, <laughs> I just love hearing him talk about the process I love hearing him like having faith in the fact that he can share tons of information and not feel threatened because he's confident in his skill set and he's confident in the fact that I'm sure that like his clients love working with him. He's like so professional and he's extremely talented, but he's a great example of just like share the info, man. There's, there's enough out there. And that's not to say that when you're up for a job and you don't, get it and you find out who you bid against and you yep. end up seeing that work out in the in the in the real world you're like fuck yeah like i yeah. wish i got that job that's but yeah i mean in the grand scheme of things if you're like triple bidding on ad jobs you should tr you should like if you win one third of them you're a you know that's called it's a winning it's a winning batting average right there you can go into the hall of fame with 333 definitely man that's yeah that's yeah, a good uh yeah it's his motivation and it's uh competition i think it's good like get it pushes me like getting to see what like my friend jesse burke does or like what you're doing it's like all right man i need to step up my game i need to go shoot more personal work and just keep it moving and it's just like it's like fuel you know i actually feel like it's a really relevant part of the process of having a career in the arts is to um, have a group of people that work in your industry that you can talk to and you guys can kind of consistently share and you know just kind of like round robin questions about things that are happening. I mean, during the pandemic, um, I was actually, uh, I got an email like maybe like a year and a half ago from this photographer, Jacob Pritchard. And um, he's like, hey, I listened to your episode on Alex's podcast. You want to come have dinner with us? We get together with some photographers. Yeah. And it kind of brought me into the fold of this group of photographers. And it was a lot of fun just listening to people talk about their work and just 
just being around like-minded people and like maybe sharing some of your like woes about like, you know, the frustrations of the industry sometimes. Yeah. That's more of anything. There's some frustrations, especially this year more than ever. It's like, dude, what the fuck? Am I the only one not working? Like, how are you actually marketing yourself since you can't even meet with people in person anymore? Like, what are you doing? Like, I just felt like lost. So it's like, I, I have had those conversations and it's like, all right, I'm not fucking up. Everyone's fucking struggling right now. So it's like, all right, just keep putting one foot in front of the other and brick by brick. Hopefully you can keep this train moving, you know? I think most photographers, when it comes down to it, they want to talk about it and they, they're they glad to share. Mm-hmm. And so during the pandemic, we started doing these Zoom calls with that same group instead of meeting for dinner. Yep. And um, I wasn't able to join in a lot of them because I was just like, juggling a child and, yeah. and my, my wife was then now working at home like she, you know she works in healthcare, and so she was like trying to work and you yeah. know keep this child who's still breastfeeding like at an arm's length you know what? so um i found it really helpful we would talk we would talk about like who's gone on set what's yep. it like yep. did you feel safe um you know well, yeah just like what to expect like it was really like for the first time ever, there was like no precedent for how this was going to go forward. Yeah, no one knows. It was like every even the clients you're talking to, like they'd be coming to you, be like, like, so how are you and your team going to handle this? And it's like, however you want me to handle it. <laughs> it's like trying to figure it out, you know? Uh, yeah, and you know what? And that's when it all comes out of like the team effort. It's just like, then you talk to your tech and they're like, hey, I've worked on a couple jobs. Yeah, yeah. We've already done this thing where we do screen sharing yeah. and learning how your client is going to approve images on shoots right now is a new thing. And it turns out it's actually not that hard. Yep. I mean, there's a few different ways to do it, but we had to like, we had to share information. Um, and and I think that photographers really want to do this. So kind of like to circle back, uh, we're, we're doing this program and I actually called my agent and I was like, Hey, I want to start bringing um, younger photographers onto my sets so that they can just work with us and learn by doing, because that's how I learned about photography. I did not go to photo school. I learned by being an assistant. Yep. And uh, so we're going to try to fold that into the kind of like the next phase of the, the mentorship program is just to be like, cool, you're going to come to work. You're going to get paid. And now you're really going to learn. Yeah. Because the one thing that I do find with younger photographers is almost like they don't know what they don't know. Yep. So they're like, yeah, people are like telling them my photos are great. And you're like, that's really cool. There's a whole other side to this, which is like yep. showing up on the day of a photo shoot and executing that skill that you did in your personal days Yep. in a single day within these parameters. And I need you to execute it 10 times in one day. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, yeah, you can have the greatest portfolio in the world and they're great pictures. But if you don't have a proven track record of able to being able to put productions together, that no one's going to want to take a chance with you. And that's the hardest thing in photography is like getting that chance. And it's frustrating to kind of get from like the editorial chance to, you know, maybe getting your cover, first cover and then get into the advertising thing because it's still like baby steps, baby steps. It's like they're going to let you shoot like maybe like uh like i think some of my first advertising jobs was just like i wasn't shooting a campaign i was just piggybacking like on a video shoot and it was just like it wasn't a ton of money but it was this it wasn't like a big chance for the agency because it, was, it wasn't like like a huge billboard campaign or anything but yeah it's like uh yeah you gotta you really gotta prove yourself and it never ends really 
the one thing that I, that's a good example, because the one thing that I tell people when they're starting out is, is like, there's jobs of all different types of tiers. Yep. There's like full blown camp global campaign. They're yep. looking at the top tier, right? But those agencies have needs that are like all the way down to like the bottom. And they're like, we need someone just to go and like pick up whatever imagery that you can get on this video shoot. And you can only have one assistant. And so the good thing is, is like, that's, that's, I think, and maybe there's a different point of view to this. I think that's a good thing because it's actually like the first step of the staircase. That's like perfect jobs for younger photographers. Yeah. And like, I still, I mean, I haven't done one in a little while, but I've worked on video shoots where we're the stills team and I actually love it. Yeah. Sometimes we get to go in and work with the grip and electric um, and gaff team and get to know them. And some of those guys are like, you know, men and women that are like super talented. And if you get to know them really well, you get to, like, I always sell, I'm like, we're not going to bring in our own light. We're going to work within the existing light that the, that the set has. Mm-hmm. We just need to kind of, augmented a little bit and so those are really fun jobs but kind of like again to go back is like the first jobs i shot were like a really 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 simple low-end lookbook yeah where like the creative director of anthropology was like hey like jeff's working his way up like let's throw this kid a bone and it was Mm -hmm. like in a hotel room against a v flat (laughs) um i don't know if i told you the story before but it's like the floor was wood. So nah. I got home and like all the images had like a warm gradient coming <laughs> off of the bottom of the floor. And I was like, damn it. And so they're great um, like practice sessions and like those jobs, those little tiers are perfect ways for younger photographers to like Get shake some door. of the dust off, like work out some of the kinks, like mm-hmm. understand like what you're capable on in a single day, file delivery, you know, what mistakes you made and you know, what you, what you did well. And then I think um, one of the things I was going to kind of mention that's like interesting to photographers that are starting out is like your portfolio before you start shooting commercials, almost like a band's first album. Yep. It's like, they've been, they've been writing that album since they were like 13 mm-hmm. and they like, they took four years to record it. And then your first commercial job is like this set their second album where the record company is like, cool. Now just do all that in six months. Yeah. And so when you show up to a real photo shoot, you're just like, well, I need to do like my portfolio is made up of pictures I've taken for like seven years or something like that and they're like all right so just make us the same quality imagery of that same uniqueness and and do it in a single day yeah. and so that's where it becomes like a different story and that's where you end up kind of like learning how to be you in like a different environment no definitely and one of the things uh that i i've done that's kind of helped me because like when as you know when you're first starting out and no one knows who you are like these art directors these art producers what i would do I went to some of the local agencies in Boston. I was like, hey, I know you guys aren't going to hire me for any big campaign, but if you guys need help putting pitches together, because all these, as you know, ad agencies are trying to find new clients the same way you are. And they're trying to put pitches together for whatever it may be, like Starbucks or maybe it's McDonald's or Nike or whatever. So I would kind of do like these little like like uh, mock shoots that they would use to like present to the client. And that's kind of, and I ended up like building the relationships with art directors that ended up turning into like real jobs and stuff like that. And that's like one thing I kind of did starting out. 
I think, first of all, I've never heard of someone doing that. And I think it's a really smart idea. Yeah. I think there's like a, probably like a million and one different ways of like how you can kind of do something for, for no, I don't want to say no pay, but I'll be brutally honest. It's like, I started assisting and I, I just said, I don't, I don't know anything. I'll just work for free until I learn. Yeah. I think that's kind of gone and it's, it may be a good thing and it may be a bad thing. I think you could, you could, you could um, like argue it on both sides. Like I would never have someone come and work for free for me now. Yeah. Cause I think everyone kind of deserves to get paid at least like, um, like a living kind of, like, I still, I know, no, I still got, I still got paid on those jobs, but it was only like maybe like a thousand bucks, 1500 bucks or something like that. It wasn't free, but it wasn't like a full on campaign or something. Oh yeah. No, I assume that you like, you had some sort of like pay agreement with them and you were working kind of like yeah. on an en- entry level kind yeah, of yeah, budget yeah. that they felt fit. But there's like, I always, I remember like after we did the podcast last time, I was like, I realized that I'm always kind of speaking to a young person i'm like speaking to me when i moved to new york city yeah yeah i was like oh my god i have so many questions will someone please answer my questions <laughs> and i really like the idea of finding someone who's legitimately enthusiastic about being a photographer yeah man Because i'm sure you've been you encountered a lot of people but people are like i want to be a photographer and you're like do you really want to be a photographer (laughs) because you're like i can't tell if you just like taking pictures or if you really want to like strap in and like grind this shit out for the next 10 years and become a commercial photographer yeah and so when you realize someone's like that and that they really want to do it i'm really excited about sharing that information with people yeah and so like your example is a really good one like i never really kind of thought about like i didn't know that ad agencies needed content to pitch um yeah client new new new, new business new business yeah and that's a really good way for you guys just to have a conversation and get to know each other too yeah yeah because like so not i knew i wasn't stupid like i I didn't have any like campaigns i shot for nike or any of these commercial clients i had none of that in my book and i knew they would never hire me because uh it's just the stakes are too high so i was like how the fuck am i gonna get in the door to actually get anything so that was just kind of my approach and it's like yeah i think you just have to have a lot of patience and it's like yeah you gotta have uh obviously you gotta have goals like i still got tons of goals i want to hit but it's like it's just, it's like the little wins. It's like the little wins. I get, if I got to win this month and keep building on it and get another win, get another hit back to the sports references. But yeah, get, get the average up. I know it's, I mean, it, I got to be honest, like, even though we're right in the thick of it, I still, and sometimes intimidated by the fact that it is like, um, there's just like no guarantees, like the amount of times that you need to kind of like touch a single person for you to develop a relationship for them to eventually potentially hire you can be really daunting. Yeah. And years ago when like agency access first came out, Mm -hmm. it was actually kind of a pretty effective tool. Like your, your rate of someone engaging with your stuff was like decent. And it was like, it it made sense cost wise, but then obviously email um, campaigns became kind of so blown out that it's less effective now Yep. But I remember meeting art buyers at ad, agent, ad agencies and, and saying like, you know, something very typical. They're like, oh, you know, thanks for taking the time to look at my book. And I remember a few art buyers would just be like, no need to thank me. This this is my job. Like my job is to look at photography and to know the landscape there. of like who's out there doing things. Yeah. And to kind of go back to what we just said, it's like, 
their job is probably to know photographers that fit into different budgets. So they're like, hey, we have this client that wants something super small. Maybe they're trying to win a client like your kind of access thing. And they're like, we can shoot this thing for a lower budget and show them we can make quality work and then maybe earn more work. I'm not you know, quite sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because then you get that one chance and you take. So now you got some commercial work in your portfolio. Now you can bring that, go to another agency that doesn't really know you, and then they can look at it and you have more like whatever, like quote unquote, like uh, I'm not street cred, but like you have experience you got more commercial work in your book and then it's just like building up like you said yeah but i know isn't it like it's almost like uh i don't even know if i have a metaphor for it but it's like <laughs> it's like if you just have you know um your portfolio laid out let's just say it's a it's a series of five by sevens on a desk and there's mm -hmm. like 20 and when you would go shoot something you'd be like oh i have two new pictures that are better and yep. you would like take out two weak ones yeah. and so your portfolio was like constantly evolving yeah i remember one of the things that i liked hearing when i was getting started was my friend um jason odell who was shooting for a living he was like don't make your portfolio long if if just for the sake of it being long he's like if you have 10 good photos then just show 10 yeah and i thought that was good just to kind of be like all right well like this, these are the ones that I think are really well executed. And then like over time mm -hmm. you, yeah, you're like, cool. Now I've shot something for this brand and now I can kind of like, you know, show that off and sub out some of the kind of like lower end stuff that I was shooting. And sometimes you're surprised that sometimes photos, you know, have quite a long lifespan in your book because you kind of nailed it 10 years ago when you took this photo and you, you feel like it's still relevant. Yeah. But, um, working your way up and like chipping away at it is basically like an endless process right i don't think it i don't think it ends until you until you retire or die yeah pretty much and uh oh, one thing i was gonna ask you because i know you mentioned it briefly you said you were doing some like zoom portfolio showings with your with your agent um is that something you've been doing a lot of because that's like i haven't really done it but i haven't really reached out to anybody asked like an art producer to look at my book through zoom, but it's something that I'm starting to think of more. Cause I think it's still going to be a while before you can go like to New York and meet with somebody. But is that the zoom portfolio sh showing something you guys been doing a lot of? We have. Um, so I think that, so my agency kind of like approaches it in like, you know, bursts into like a certain depends on like what kind of work you have to show or, or um, like that. Yep. I mean, I think, that a lot of people were kind of following similar paths through like March, April, June. And it was like, okay, in the beginning, it was like, do you have any photograph or do you have, are you living with people that you can photograph in yeah, your yeah, house? Yeah. Yep. Wasn't a huge fan of that. I was just like, my wife is tired, you know, she's working and I live in a New York apartment. It's yeah. 900 square feet. Like, <laughs> We're going to wait. We're going to wait until we can like, I was always thinking during that whole time. I was like, why wouldn't I just go outside and just shoot with a longer lens? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, let's send me to like the Delaware water gap and I'll shoot someone like trail running and I, I won't even be anywhere near them and we'll make great pictures. Yeah. Anyway, that, that never happened. Eventually it kind of like formed into, um, you know, can you show us what you're capable of with small teams because they're only allowing groups of 10, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Eventually, um, we were creating these PDF portfolios of like what we were able to accomplish with a certain amount of people right. and that eventually migrated into having these meetings. And um, I actually think it's really good that we, that not all this stuff is accomplished on a phone call anymore. Yeah. Because you get to like see people 
you know, eye to eye. Um, what you do is I would create a PDF portfolio and I would talk about, you know, whatever you want to talk about that you think explains how you make work. And I would share my screen and I would walk them through it. And then we would like ask them, you know, like, you know, inform us, like what's been going on? Like, what do you, what are some hurdles that you're, you know, encountering with, you know, making commercial work in this environment? And they would ask some questions about like, you know, like you mentioned before, they'd be like, so how are you, how are you sharing the work with the clients that can't come to set? And yeah. I think the Zoom meetings are like incredibly effective and they're super convenient because like you just do it from where you're sitting yep. and it lasts from, you know, 30 minutes to wherever, maybe an hour sometimes. And um, you can really just kind of like sit down and wrap with people and get to know like what they're up to. I mean, a lot of these meetings are so good because you're just like, just tell us, tell us what you're about. Like, what is your vibe? Like, what are you excited? To, like, when you ask me, like, what are you excited to make? Yeah. Like, that's really what most of the conversation should be about. It's like, let's, let's tap into like, what do you inspire? Like, what do we, what do you got in your back pocket for when the right time comes and there's the right job? Like, mm -hmm. um, what are you good at? And I've like learned through some like really interesting agencies that actually don't just do like typical like art buying and commercial content. Like, they actually have like a hand in kind of creating campaigns and, or maybe kind of like graphic, you know, design for it or something like that. And so I was excited to learn and um, potentially find new people that I would collaborate and make work with. Yeah. No, it's good to hear. I think it's something I got to start doing more of. I did one of those like pay to play. Uh, it was through the SPD, which is the Society of Publishers and Design. And they had like an online portfolio review. And it was cool. Like I met with, dude, I met with like 54 people in like the span of three days. It was a ton of Zoom calls, but it was interesting. But I think I got to do more of this, that like reaching out to people and try to show my work through. Did you, did you find that particular like, um, not Avenue, but that like, uh, that company or that portfolio review to be helpful for you? Yeah, it was cool. It actually did get some good feedback, like just on the layout of my website, to some stuff I didn't even really think about. And it was good and definitely made some contacts. And I've, it was only like a month and a half ago, but I've already stayed in contact and hopeful to get some jobs from that. But it's like, uh, yeah, it's doing anything you can to stay afloat in these times. But yeah, it was interesting. I, yeah, like you said, it was just good to connect with someone. You could tell like the editors were happy to like, talk to a human being again because they all been stuck at their house for the last eight months but. i mean it's it's important to remember every once in a while that like a lot of the people that are involved in this industry are just like photo fans exactly they just want to like <clears throat> sit down and like talk about photography and yep you know get excited about like what you're up to um so i mean the pay-to-play ones are always like a wager right like how mm. much is it you know and how much because obviously if we all had limitless funds, then we would just like do all of them, <laughs> do all the expensive advertising. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, I used those. Uh, I went to a bunch of them in New York for quite a while. Yeah. Photo, so photo I, works is doing them right now. They just sent out an email. People can go check out. It's NYC photo works. And um, you can just do like, if you only want to do one, they have like a running list and it shows like who's available on that day. Like it might be some art buyer from this agency or whatever. And you can see if they're available, click it, book it. And it's just like one like that. Yeah. That might actually be more efficient than the way it used to be because when you went in person before it was more like, fill in your top choices and then they would kind of like let you know who you landed. Yep. And so obviously there's going to be some people that are way more popular. Like they're maybe from like a very well-known ad agency yeah. or like a publication that everybody wants to be in. And so I still saw the value in them. 
because um, I mean, that's actually where uh, I <clears throat> made my first contact with apostrophe. Oh, really? My agent. Yeah. And it was, it was a slower process. It wasn't like, Oh, I met with them when they like signed me on Monday. Yeah. Um, in fact, actually that's a good story is like, I did meet other agents in that forum that were very much like, they're like, a, they were like exaggeration a little bit, but they're like, you're going to be a star kid. I'd love to have you on my roster. And I was like, yes, I made it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Job is done. Yeah. No. And then like, then fucking crickets. Yeah. And I found that there was a lot to be said about people that were like, cool. We like your work. Let's keep on talking. Yep. And having a long conversation and kind of like understanding where the two of you, you know, like what type of business you're interested in and like where they see your work growing. They want to see if you kind of have the grit to like, you know, dig this whole thing out. Yep. And so um, I think that the reason why apostrophe ended up being such a great fit for me is I would, as they kind of like, they like made me wait a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then in that time I went and shot a bunch of personal work and um, uh, kind of like got the gears moving in the right direction and kind of didn't, didn't take anything for granted. Like, Oh, like I've shot for a couple like cool clients already and um sorry my wife was like calling no you gotta stuff. take that no all right <laughs> <laughs> just joking I'll, I'll uh i'll call i already talked to her just a little bit earlier i'll, I'll talk to her again no worries um damn it's still uh still ringing no worries um, yeah so i thought those those pay-to-play things were interesting like i think every time someone sits down with your book like it's a little bit nerve-wracking but it's mm -hmm. also like you're going to, you're going to get some good information. And sometimes people have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. Those are the ones that are great. Cause they're, they're like, they're, they're all, it's like, yeah, I'm like, I actually don't even want to work with you because you seem like a jerk. <laughs> I was like, you know what I mean? Not everybody, most 99% of the people I met were cool and I got good stuff, but there was other ones where I was like, yeah, this Thanks for letting me know. I don't want to work with you anyways. Hey, listen, you, there's like something to learn from like every single person you sit down with and every single small or large job that you work on, you always learn something. Yeah. But I remember like having a woman look at my portfolio and it's like one of these things where I would go to the guys who run NYC PhotoWorks, I think are really like just cool people. Oh yeah. Mark, Mark, they, Mark Asnan. That dude's a dope photographer his own, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Josh, um, when he was, when they were kind of like getting NYC PhotoWorks going he wanted people to be really, you know, felt like it was worth the money. So he yeah. would like walk back in the lobby and be like, Hey, if anybody doesn't have a meeting right now, I have so-and-so who wants to sit down with someone. And you're like, cool. Like I got a bunch of extra meetings. I think they became successful enough to where they didn't, they, they didn't have that. to give away those meetings anymore. Yeah. But I remember sitting down with someone and she's like looking at my book and it's like, <clears throat> at the time it was, you know, probably a lot more of like younger more kind of grittier stuff like skaters and stuff and she's like do you shoot babies and i was like no <laughs> and if you hired me to shoot babies you need to do way more homework and find people <laughs> that shoot that shoot infants i'm like i could probably pull it off yeah and in the end like i actually have like i remember i shot a casting for like this when i first was coming up and i shot a casting for uh target and there was babies and I was like, oh, cool. There was like a baby wrangler and everything. It was like actually pretty fun because the babies are just like <laughs> cooing and laughing and you're shooting. But this woman to like look at my book and like make it sound like she was going to potentially look for me to shoot an infant for like a diaper campaign. I'm just like, that's silly. 
<laughs> yeah yeah no it is interesting yeah i at first i i, I was kind of like i was like that's ah, kind of weird paying someone to look at your work but then i was like like yeah fuck it i'll try it <laughs> and it was good i mean in all honesty though you're paying them to get feedback but at the same time you're paying to basically cut through everyone's busy schedule and sit down with people that you would like to work with yeah definitely yep that's the job and so you're kind of like paying to hit the fast forward button yeah um all right well to wrap up Anybody's been following Jeff, I'll post his Instagram. You've been having some electric content on Instagram the last week in, in your quarantine. You've been watching a lot of movies. Um, what are the top movies you've been watching the last week or so? Because you've watched a lot. Yeah. So, like, I think last night I had this realization, and uh, or yesterday I was like, wow, I'm. I'm really into this lifestyle of basically like I wake up. So here's how it works in this quarantine hotel. It's 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 like half prison and like uh, I don't know half something else. But like at the at seven o'clock noon and um, and set and six p.m. they drop a bag of food by your door. They ring your doorbell and then you have to go put on a mask and you go pick up the food and you bring it in. It's like someone opening up this like in the Shawshank Redemption thing they sl- and they slide the food no, tray. You know, what, you know what they call that in prison, uh, Jeff? They call that three hots and a cot. So I have three hots, except they were not hot. Okay. And so I called the producer. So prior to coming here, I looked up YouTube videos of people in, in quarantine in Seoul. And people are like, oh, look at this meal. It's like, really great variety and like this guy had a microwave and he was like eating all this uh, not great food but like plenty of it and, and hot food yep. and none of it was um hot and i the, the producer's been texting me you know just making sure we're okay nicest person ever so far by text yeah and i was like is there's no hot food and he was like oh my god that's horrible like i feel so bad for you so he like sent over these two massive boxes of food and then had a microwave delivered and had like condiments delivered and like cold brew coffee and water and all this other stuff. Yep. So my realization yesterday was like, I wake up, I eat this breakfast. I like stretch a little bit and I'm like, all right, what movie am I going to watch before lunch? So I watch <laughs> a movie and then I eat lunch. I get all excited when the doorbell rings and I go get my lunch. And, um, and then I pretty much try to like nail three movies a day. wow three movies a day all right damn you're really getting after it i like it i know i'm actually really it's almost like a photo shoot the first half of the day i'm kind of like feeling it out and i only watch like one and then like after dinner so i've I've never been a person who's ever done yoga but i do these like yoga videos on youtube so from like four until dinner time i'm like doing some yoga and then after after that i take a shower at my dinner and then i usually be able to bang out back-to-back movies before i go to bed That's awesome, man. Um, so w- movies that I'm really into right now. So people were recommending lots of stuff and it's a good chance for you to go and see all the movies that you've always wanted to. And I think everybody's list is different, but I think when it comes to, if you're a photographer to like dig into the people that are really known for excellent cinematography yeah. or just go to famous cinematographers and just watch everything they've made. Um, I re I rewatched, um, what is it called? The murder of Jesse James by the coward. Oh, the assassination of Jesse James. Yeah. That movie was incredible. I think that I've maybe tried to watch it at home one time. You know, when you're just busy or maybe you're too tired. So you don't really like absorb a movie. Yeah. So I watched that and I was just like, 
holy shit like that was pretty amazing and then I watched some like really famous movies and I was just like I'm just not that into that and I also made myself watch some movies that I know that are like widely respected that I just need to watch even though I know they wouldn't really be my style mm-hmm. like 2001 Space Odyssey it's like Stanley Kubrick is like a wild genius so I like need to know what these movies are all about and watch them and that movie is just like have you seen it? Uh, parts of it. And I haven't watched it start to finish, though. It's like, it's almost like they do such long takes to just see, like, they're fucking with you. Yeah. Like, they're so long. And you're just like, okay, we get it, guys. We, like, this shot, it's it's like we're two and a half minutes into this, into this shot. And a part of me kind of respects the kind of, like, the gutsiness of just, like, making something that you want it to be. So, and then I watched Ida last night. It's a Polish language film that I think won an Academy Award. It's really, really beautiful. Like it's maybe like the best like black and white photography like I've seen in in a movie. Um, And I'm excited to see the next movie he made called Cold War. So I'll watch that pretty soon too. That's good, Um, man. But I was trying to go like lowbrow, highbrow. So I was watching like 80s comedies and then like backing it up with like an Academy Award winner. Get like some like Ace Ventura pet detective shit or something in there, dude. Well, I've I watched that movie probably a thousand times. So I was like trying to tap into the things that like, so like as a teenager, I watched The Breakfast Club and Weird Science like a thousand times. Yep. But I didn't watch Pretty in Pink or 16 Candles. Okay. So I made myself watch 16 Candles and I was just like, I don't think this movie is <laughs> like everyone loves that movie, but I'm like Ferris Bueller is unbelievable. 16 yep. Candles. I was like, I just, maybe it just wasn't for me. Yeah. I think you're a little, you're, you're not in the demographic anymore of that movie. Yeah. And I can imagine being a teenage girl and just like thinking that was the shit. <laughs> but at the same time, like I was talking to someone, I was like, I think if you like pass the window of like the nineties and you haven't watched them and you try to go back and watch them, yep. they don't have the same like feel, but like back in the nineties, when I watched weird science, I thought it was like one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. Yeah. I just watched 1917 on TV the other night. That movie was sick by Sam Mendes and uh, Roger Deakins. And yeah. that, cause it made it, it made it all look like it was in one shot. I mean, I know it just came out last year, but I watched it. It was fucking incredible. There's um so what I like to do is I watch a movie and then I text Santiago Gonzalez what he thinks and he's I make fun of him because he's like a bummer to talk to about movies because he has such really good critical information about the film that it kind of like takes away the veneer of you're just like walking out of the theater with a smile on your face. Yep. But a movie see that's lunch oh, is here oh shit lunch is here oh, i like this is action packed right here you need to get your lunch See, we're wrapping 30, up anyways <laughs> it's, it's 35 minutes late but that's cool like they, they they make you wait for us you really want it no worries um and that movie in particular he was like yeah some people kind of refer and they're maybe he said it or someone else said it that it was like cinematographer porn <laughs> where it's like it was so incredibly like extravagant and beautiful like maybe at the expense of the story yep and so when i watched the movie i was just like holy fucking shit that was like insane that was beautiful that was well amazing. you should go back and they got a behind the scenes thing you can probably find it on youtube and they showed they did rehearsals for like I, I could be wrong but it was something insane like six months or something more because they built all those like battle like 
they're technically sets, but they're like outdoors and it's where like the fight scenes where the war would happen and they like rehearsed that shit because they needed yeah, because everything was like in one shot, so they needed it to happen like precisely and they rehearsed it and rehearsed it and rehearsed it, which like most movies don't get that much rehearsal. I think that I know so little about making like films, mm-hmm. but I like know just the tiniest a bit amount to know that that is like me building my own rocket and going to the moon. Yeah, definitely. It's like so fucking crazy to like have the foresight to like build all that and like have the guts to request it. You're like, okay, cool. So we're going to build this like $15 million set for like, that's only going to be in this portion of the movie and like have the courage and the kind of confidence to like, know you're going to pull it off and it's going to be like worth the dough. Yeah. But like, if I was to like give any advice to someone, this is just advice that I got from someone else, but like, like I watched um, a movie and I didn't realize that Roger Deakins had shot it because I'd never been a person who was like going through the credits and being like, who's the cinematographer? Who's the blah, blah, blah. Like who, who, who did this and who colored it? But now I'm realizing I'm like, oh, like I like everything that Roger Deakins has shot. Like, oh, I like, I like, I think every Terrence Malick film is worth sitting through because like you're going to be inspired somewhere in between there. Yep. And so I watched a bunch of those and I was like, oh, wow, like Badlands was amazing. And then he made another one several years later that I didn't think was as successful, but that one won an Academy Award for cinematography. And, um, and then you start to like see these actors like develop over time. And so this room, this hotel room has given me the, the opportunity like that you just like gets completely taken out of your life when you have a kid. So just sit in a room and just completely binge eat cinema. Yeah, like hopefully, yeah. Cause when else in your life, like hopefully this doesn't happen again, but like, when would you ever have 14 days sitting in one time, literally never leaving the room, which is this so that's why I had to call you, man, because this is such a unique experience. I mean, and- even just hearing you say that makes me like excited to like get back into it. <laughs> the <laughs> only the only issue is is like I I um I came here with like a a full computer setup to retouch. Yep. And I've been waiting for a client that we just shot something to kind of get back to us and give us the I gotta get back to get back to work. So we're going to get back to work and make some dough to like pay the bills and, and finish up a project that we were excited to work on. Yeah. But I'll obviously very reluctant that I'm going to have to give up <laughs> my like, yeah, this I'm a really like, I'm a really binge type person when it comes to like my vices and things like this. So being able to do this with movies has been like nah. really fun. Nah, well, I'm, I'm glad we got back on the, uh, on the phone, Jeff, man. I always love talking to you, man. You're always just got like a upbeat, like positive uh, vibe. So man, it was a pleasure talking to you again, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, for people listening, I'll have them go check out, uh, your work and as well, um, I'll link them to your rep for that whole like mentorship program for anybody listening, um, for, for Absolutely. Like, spread, spread the word on that because we're going to continue to do it. And the whole idea is that it just like, slowly kind of like folds more people into the into the industry through lots of different ways and then you know yep. we'll be looking for people to kind of like um pull onto our sets and give them the real um experience as well so i'm not sure when that's going to kind of get launched but i think they're already kind of setting things up to do like the second wave of the mentorship program and then all year. right cool man i might have a couple guys that might throw your way and uh to give you some names and stuff if uh, that's all right do it, do it do it and at the end of the day regardless of like a mentorship program. Yep. Um, I always tell people, I'm like, if you're trying to break into this thing and you have questions, just email me. Yeah, man. And a lot of times I'm like, 
email me, but like, let's just talk on the phone and then I can just rapid fire you your, <laughs> your answers yeah. in like 30 minutes and hopefully give you a chance to like, you know, skip a few steps and get closer to being a photographer. Right on. All right, Jeff. Well, I'll let you get back to it. I know you got retouching to do and hopefully maybe sneak in a couple more movies in there, but uh, good luck on your shoot out there, man. Last thing I want to say is I really uh, dug your Cuba project. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's a work in progress. I'm hoping I was supposed to go back there in October to shoot more of the skaters because we became friends with some of the guys. But then obviously everything got shut down. But my goal is to go back down there and make the whole project like about the skaters, like photograph them in their houses and skating and this more of that. Right now it's kind of mixed much, but yeah, I appreciate it. It was a, it was I incredible. I felt like it was like a really, it was like a good, like I could tell that it was a blend of like your photo style yep. with like your expertise and like knowing what's, what's, the real deal in skating yeah for sure yeah it was good to get back i haven't really shot skating in a long time and uh but yeah man cuba anytime if you ever get the chance man fucking go down there it's fucking incredible i know i know i know i've heard i've heard all right well i look forward to seeing the next uh iterations of the project and thanks for having me on all right later jeff see ya peace uh so there you have it that was the uh jeff valley interview um hope you guys enjoyed listening to it uh like i said uh big fan of jeff's work and just have a lot of respect for um, his hard work and uh, just his kind of outlook on photography and there's always a real positive dude um, so can't thank him enough uh, definitely go check out Jeff's website at jeffvalley.com as well as his Instagram at jeffvalley and if you're interested in the mentorship program for emerging black and indigenous people of color um, for photographers looking to pursue a career in commercial photography um, feel free to reach out to Jeff or his rep apostrophereps.com I'll put the link in the descriptions but they got a lot of uh, information on their website and whatnot so definitely go check that out and as always i'll be having weekly podcasts every week on apple podcasts spotify as well as the photo banter youtube page um, so definitely go give us a subscribe over on the youtube page i'd much appreciate it and as always thanks so much for listening and take care